Welcome to Sales in the Subscription Economy, Season 1, Episode 14. I'm Amanda Northcutt of SubscriptionCoach.com, and my guest today is Troy Conker, co-founder and CRO at GoNimbly. Troy is a software engineer by training and has been in the RevOps space for many years. He has played a huge role in GoNimbly's success, and I'm so excited to talk sales and revenue with him today. Troy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Amanda. I'm excited to be here, too. You bet. We're excited for you to share your sales wisdom with us today. And with that, let's dive into the questions. First off, sure. tell us a little bit more about your career, where you've been, how you got to where you are now. And though I'm sure most of us are familiar a bit about Go Nimbly. Yeah, absolutely. So I, like you said, started out as a software engineer doing consulting, moved into software architecture, um, and then you know, now I'm running the revenue team at Go Nimbly. A little bit more specifically, I've been building technology and tools for sales and revenue teams for my whole career. So it's, it's good that it's uh, continuing to go full circle in that I, I get to actually uh, be on the front lines and grow the company and also try to prevent some of the issues that I, I spent my career cleaning up as a consultant. So um, it's been a, it's been an interesting um, and very eventful learning experience for me. And I, I've helped the company double revenue for the last couple of years. So very proud of that uh, wow. and still learning along the way. And uh, it's been very humbling. And I have an amazing respect now for, for salespeople. It's a difficult job. Um, and it's something you don't quite understand until you're carrying the bag and, uh, and you know, your butt's on the line. So um, that's a little bit about kind of where I've, where I've gone and where I've come from. Go Nimbly is a revenue operations company uh, based in the Bay Area. We're about 60 people strong right now. And we help B2B SaaS companies primarily with revenue operations, uh, either providing outsourced teams, uh, providing coaching or helping them actually transform into revenue operations models. So uh, companies like Zendesk, Twilio, PagerDuty, those are probably some of the bigger brands that we work with, but usually Series B companies and above is our sweet spot. Mm, that's incredible. I don't know if I, did I just cut out because Siri came up again uh, <laughs> to trying to get her under control? You do not, you know, usually it's a, a kid or a dog or a cat in the background. So it's totally fine. I did not hear Siri. So <laughs> you're good. You can't stop. We can't stop saying her name too. Uh, oh yes. Okay. It's funny. No, you're good. No more lady. Um, okay. <laughs> so one, congratulations on doubling uh, year over year revenue at GoNimbly. That's incredible in and of itself. But, you know, honestly, I don't know a lot of software engineers who have, transition to being a head of revenue um, at a large company. So can you tell us a little bit what that transition was like and were there any major unexpected hurdles you had to come overcome or anything like that? A ton. Absolutely. As I came from a, uh, a bigger consultancy that focused on Salesforce and the Salesforce ecosystem and they were a heavy sales driven culture. So I think that was something that I leaned into heavily and I've always been a people person. So I, I did well there uh, and was really interested in building relationships with customers and, and continuously trying to grow the business. So I think focusing on, on the company and how do we 
build a strong company together has always been my focus, although I haven't necessarily been you know the one closing closing the deals uh, it's always been something i've been I've been doing. Hmm. I started the company as a CTO as well, and that is a little bit more of a business facing role and a stakeholder holder facing role so I've always been client facing and, and focused on the business so it was a a natural i would i would say transition for me uh, but it's not something i was obviously prepared for uh, and, and i've really dove into my network i have a huge network of i mean i wouldn't say it's a huge network I've ha- i have a great network of some very thoughtful kind people who have a ton of experience in sales leadership and sales in general and i've seen a lot of the situations that i'm facing so that's been a huge asset for me um, to draw from and, and help go nimbly grow. Um, so that, uh, I guess, key challenges that I faced, I think starting out, you don't know what you don't know, and that's really difficult. I've leaned heavily on my ability to be charming and responsive. So it was a ton of hustle, not a, not a ton of uh, strategy. And it, it worked out really well. I think customers in general really appreciate uh, a responsive and experience where the, the rep or, you know, whoever your business partner is, uh, you know, really cares about bringing value and is, and is actively over communicating all along the way and trying to make something happen for you. Mm-hmm. So that was something I initially leaned on. And now I, I look back and, and I see a lot of the mistakes that I've been making. Um, and now I'm working on unlearning a lot of those uh, bad habits and, and building new skills uh, for the future and actually building a team here. So it's been yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, a great learning journey and I, I felt unprepared most of the time, but I've had a, a great collection of, of assets to pull from, whether it's my network or, um, or team in general. Mm, that's and fantastic. We, we, yeah, we've grown a lot through organic growth and a lot of inbound as well. So location has been great for us. So we do get a lot of inbound and that was you know, obviously very helpful. Uh, for growing the company, so we're transitioning more to an outbound model, which is presenting a lot, uh, a lot of a different set of challenges, which is uh, good, good for us. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great kind of inflection point to move from inbound to outbound. And um, I like you, Troy. I like uh, basically what you're describing is, you know, people say experience is the best teacher, but I believe that evaluated experience is the best teacher. And you, you sound like a very reflective uh, kind of person and someone who does go back and actually look through what worked, what didn't work, what adjustments do I made, do I need to make, who can I draw on in my network to kind of fill this skill gap for me and help coach me up. Um, so I really like all that. That's, that's great. And what a great way to dive into a new role. And sounds like you're also one with beginner's mindset and, and willing to learn and have some humility. So I can, I can see why you were able to double revenue. Um, you sound like a, a, a dream co-founder. Um, and, and that kind of, this kind of parlays this well into our next question. So how are you at this point, other than drawing on your network, staying up to date on SaaS marketing sales and customer success? Well, podcasts are amazing <laughs> there it seems like there was a lot of podcasts last year this year there are a ton of podca- mm-hmm. a ton of podcasts and i think it's great i think it's an, an amazing um 
you know, way for people to create value. And, and I really, I value that as a, just, just paying attention to the industry. So there's a lot of choice. I think finding the right, the right content source and the right content sources that match your, how you learn and how you process things is important. So you have to find the right, the right channel, I guess, Mm. um, or the right content source. So I, yeah, I've been paying attention to podcasts. I've been reading books. Uh, there are a ton of, uh, online learning uh, resources, companies like Coursera. Uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't want for, you know, I don't want extra tools. I guess I, that, that didn't come out right, but I, th- there's a ton of options out there and I right. think it's, it's been great. Um, I think there's a few, um, a few that I'd like to mention. Chorus, uh, Beck Holland's Flip the Script has been an amazing YouTube mm. series that mm-hmm. has been a rock for the team uh, that we've been really drawing a lot of great lessons from. Uh, the Hey Salespeople podcast, I think, is also a tremendous resource uh, from the leadership over there at Sales Loft, Jeremy Donovan. Yeah. And uh, my one of my friends was actually on that podcast as well, um, Brad Smith. A little shout out to him. All right. But, yeah. Fantastic. Any others you want to share? I would also say my community has been something that I've leaned on and been participating with in new ways. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm meeting new people that I've never met before, like you and uh, Amanda. And that's, that's amazing. I'm also just meeting people on LinkedIn. I have also been following this Thursday night sales happy hour with mm-hmm. uh, Scott Lees, Justin Welsh and, and Amy Volos. Amy. Oh. Yeah. Yes. She's great. She's real. Um, yes. I, yeah, I'm a big fan. Yes, uh, me too. I, yeah. So it's, it's just been a really raw way to process the situation in a, on a week by week basis as mm-hmm. it relates to sales and recruiting and enterprise sales, transactional sales, just all sorts of lessons that I think are valuable across the board. So that one's been a good live event for, for me that I've been participating in. I, I missed last week, unfortunately, but I think this week is probably going to be the ninth one that they're going to do. So I would encourage people to, to go to that. And I've never met any of these people face to face, but I, I consider them part of my community now and I'm a part mm-hmm. of theirs. Oh, interesting. I saw Amy's post about that this morning on LinkedIn. That may, your, your endorsement may draw me in. <laughs> yeah, come on in. Oh, you'd be great. I'm sure she'd talk you up too. Yeah, she's, she's really, really, really bright. I'm glad you brought her up. But anyway, okay, great. Those are all fantastic resources. I'll link them all in the show notes. And now what about all-time favorite business books? Okay, so anything from DHH and Jason Fried, the people at 37 Signals, I think mm-hmm. they produce amazing lessons. They're so giving uh, with their with their lessons that they learned of pioneering a lot of the, a lot of the spaces that they're, that they're uh, started out in. Yeah. So, you know, DHH founded Ruby on rails, which has been an incredible technology for startups to mm-hmm. get to value and learnings really quickly. And I'm actually, yeah. So I love everything that they do. Uh, there's also been an, another interesting marketing book called hacking marketing that I read and got a lot of, 
value out of because that's okay. another area where I'm learning and, and developing is it's definitely not marketing skill set. So it's I, f- I forget who wrote it, but it's called Hacking Marketing and it's from like some HBR book list or something like that. Ah, okay. But really teaching you how to be bringing agile best pra- agile practices and lean practices to the marketing discipline. So that was a good thing for me. And Triangle Selling, the authors of Triangle Selling. Oh, the name is the names are escaping me right now. That's all right. I'll find uh, them. But yeah, Corey Bray. <laughs> I know is one of them. Uh, and that, that's been great for us to have a, a good set of tools that fit into selling frameworks. Yeah, those are all great. I haven't heard of hacking marketing, but I'm going to fix that this week for sure. Um, yeah, check that one out. That sounds like a great book. Okay, cool. Um, what changes to your projections, strategy, and sales tactics have you guys made in light of the economic challenges brought on by COVID-19? Well, I would say we still have ambitious goals. Um, We initially have, you know, cut our yearly targets down a little bit, uh, but we're really trying to focus as a subscription business on our, our growth and MRR. So that is something that we can, I would say quickly get to, um, you know, as opposed to, we just don't sell annual subscriptions. We sell monthly subscriptions. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been, um, while our annual outlook has has decreased, our it's only decreased for about a four or five month period, um, and you know we're we're still anticipating some growth here this year. So we've we're we're also just I would say being a lot more data oriented about how, and activity oriented about how we're projecting deals to close. Mm-hmm. So it's the more data, the better. Uh, yeah. There's a there's a ton of data out there, particularly around um, intent data, engagement data, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, we know if we haven't spoken to somebody in a while, and it's a long, a long-standing opportunity in the pipeline that it may it's 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 probably not as likely to close. Um, mm-hmm. So we've been taking those things into account with our models. Yeah. Are there any specific leading indicators you guys um, rely on most heavily right now or that you would encourage uh, other SaaS organizations to rely on most heavily right now to, you know, forecast accurately? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would say if you can get intent data, that's great for some pipeline forecasting, pipeline building forecasting. Mm-hmm. If you can also, there's a, I think, I forget what the website is, but it's candor.com slash like hiring freeze or something like that. And it's that, you know, that list of seven or 8,000 companies that are either hiring, hiring freeze or doing layoffs. I would say that's been a, a great community built resource that I reference regularly uh, to understand, is this company hiring? You know, or are they spending money or are they, you know, actively trying to cut costs and, and in survival mode. Mm. So uh, I, I can send you the link after this, but I think it's called candor or something like that. Yeah, that would be great. And I include it in the show notes as well. That sounds like a fantastic resource. I hadn't heard of that one either. I'm learning all sorts of new things today. This is fantastic. Oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> um, next question. What's your best advice for sales teams competing in the subscription economy right now, uh, given, you know, the economic downturn? Yeah, 
I, I love how you frame your questions, by the way, the best advice. Um, <laughs> and that, that's, that's such a high bar. Um, no pressure. Think, yeah, no, it's great. Um, I would say invest. You need to, and it really is what's worked for us. I, I can't say that this is going to work for everybody, but what's worked for us and what's worked for companies that are, uh, that we've worked with that are in a position of, of, in a position of strength is mm -hmm. you should invest in your customer experience. Um, you can't, you know, the lone wolf salesperson, I don't think is really a, um, a accurate or an effective model anymore. You know, we're really yeah. leaning into a teamwork oriented model. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say, lean into that teamwork, make sure that you're investing in your relationships with your marketing team, with your customer success team, um, and that you're collaborating and thinking holistically about the customer experience. And I actually think the words that you use here in your question, you know, what's your best advice? You need to frame that for your customer. What's best for the customer? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time, most, most of the time, it's bigger than just you. It's bigger than what just one individual can do. So I would say, make sure that you're investing in that collaboration and teamwork um, and really thinking about what's best for the customer. Um, I would also say experimenting is super important. Mm -hmm. there, are, there are things that are working. Um, try to learn from communities that are doing experimentation that Thursday night sales happy hour that I referenced is, mm -hmm. a, is a great way for me to learn from other people's experiments um, and really chop down, like do whatever you can to get to experiments faster. It's just kind of leaning into the, the agile approach. If you're doing something that's going to take, you know, maybe a month or two months to learn from, see if you can trim the scope out a little bit to, to get to learnings in like a week or two, something like that, or maybe even days. Um, so that's, that's what I would say. Uh, I have an, one more thing is, is invest in yourself, become yeah. a generalist. The more you can get out of your box or your zone that that's been something that is really foundational for a revenue operator. Uh, so in our space, we definitely preach to be generalists. Some of the most effective team members I can think of were really dynamic, able to, uh, to not be held back by some artificial barrier that they might not know uh, how to do something. They can go figure it out or they can tap some, some resource to, to work through uh, whatever problem. And I think having a generalist mindset and a learner's mindset is really um, you know, key, I think, for adapting in this situation. I like that a lot. I mean, yeah, and that's definitely required when you're breaking down these siloed departments. Um, everybody needs to know about what everybody else is doing. We need to have empathy. Sales needs to have empathy for marketing and customer success and customer success for sales and marketing and product and so on. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a great point. Those are all really good little nuggets of wisdom. So thank you for sharing. For sure. And I imagine you guys practice what you preach very well as far as cross-departmental communication goes at Go Nimbly. So can you tell us a little bit about how you guys handle that? Yeah, so we 
core to the idea of revenue operations is that revenue operations is a is an investable value producing uh, revenue impacting organization so that i think is you know the thing that you that we have to believe and that we hold true um, and what that means is you have to invest in operations it's not a cost center that that is just the cost of doing business it's a it's an investable structure that can really provide growth and value uh, over the short term and long term so uh, we've invested pretty heavily in in operations both from a biz ops and revenue ops perspective mm -hmm. and um and I, I think that's just a philosophy thing uh that we've done from the beginning and you know, we also understand that there's a cultural element of communication and and system elements of communication so I think we have a very strong cultural, um, a communication culture at GoNimbly. Mm. Uh, we are working on systems as we scale because what used to work from a, a communication and um, collaboration perspective, what used to work three years ago when we were, you know, 15 people does not work while we're approaching 60. Mm. So it's, it's trying to be lean about those systems and adapting them for the future. Um, and, um, you know, that's something that we're still experimenting with, but you're right. We do invest heavily in, in revenue operations and cross departmental communication is, is something that we talk about a lot. And it's something that we're trying to action on a lot. Um, one of the specific things I think we do really well and we've done from the beginning and it's something that I think applies regardless, but the system might change throughout a, a company's maturity. We do Friday win learn change. Hmm. And I, I think this is why you, you see me being retro retrospective or introspective yeah. about my experience. And it's a time where we all get together every Friday for an hour and each individual says, some wins about their week, some learns. So what did they, you know, what did they find out about their week? Mm -hmm. And then changes, what are they going to do next week to uh, either improve or, or apply their learnings? So that's been a, wow. a great exercise for us to practice vulnerability in front of each other because the more vulnerable you are, uh, the better it is. And, uh, and really, we try to mix it up too. We get uh, I use the term promiscuous kind of with each other. So like, you know, the, the business team, um, the operations team is, is um, in a group with the sales team and uh, and the consulting team, like whoever is regularly working with each other on a day-to-day -day basis, we kind of split people up and we rotate teams and stuff. So I think that does a great job of encouraging uh, cross-departmental communication. It's been something that's it's been great for us. One other thing that I would also mention is this exercise of cave days. And it's a little less retrospective. My colleague, uh, Jenna Gartua, she's our, she runs our services team. She's our CSO and, uh, and she runs product. She's amazing. And she's been hosting uh, these cave days. And 
it's a time where you pretend that you're in a cave um, <laughs> and, and with your colleagues and everybody's quiet and focused on work. And it's a two hour block or two and a half, something like that. Mm. And you're, you come into that meeting and you say, uh, what are you going to work on? There's usually a facilitator um, who is kind of guiding the team and you work independently on work on a Zoom screen, similarly to how you would do it in, in an office environment. But the key is there's no concept of time. So you turn your clock off on your machine and you also, um, and you also like hide your phone. So there's these like psychological things that you do to encourage focus. But the benefit of also doing it is you get to see your team members and you get to hear what they're working on and you get to hear them struggle to focus on things or you get to hear them win where they're like cranking out work and you get to be inspired by it. So I think those things are, we have a very strong culture at Go Nimbly. That's, that's kind of how we compete. So um, I, I wanted to leave some of those specific things for, uh, for listeners to apply. <laughs> That's very interesting. Cave days. Very cool. And on Zoom together even. Um, I haven't heard of that. Okay. In these Friday win, learn, change sessions, yeah. all 60 of you are on them or is it, do you break it up a little bit? So originally when we were 15 people, it was all 15 people. Yeah. And then we grew uh, a lot. And now we have different pods, essentially groups of, you know, we come together all 60-ish people. Um, 60 is kind of including some contractors and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we have generally 10 to 15 minutes of uh, company news, company announcements, any call outs. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, we have a little bit of fun together. Uh, and then we break up into our small groups uh, and we have a more intimate win learn change. I wish we could do everybody, but it's just, it doesn't scale. Yeah, that would be a little bit chaotic. So that seems like a good idea, though, to come together at the beginning and, you know, kind of break out sessions. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a great idea. And companies who uh, are not yet used to being remote and typically sit in an office together, I think, could take these things away and start implementing them really, I mean, immediately. So thank you so much for sharing that stuff, Troy. I think that's really helpful and actionable. Um, and we're going to talk a little uh, bit more yeah. about your culture here in, in a few minutes. But um, anything else to add on on that? Nope. No, I think we're good. Cool. Uh, in what ways are individual members of a sales team held accountable for the retention of their customers? I mean, I know this is a little bit different ballgame because you're selling a service, but is their pay structured in such a way that they are incentivized to ensure uh, that renewals happen? Yeah, for sure. So we focus on MRR and we pay, we compensate on MRR as well. So the, the longer, if a if you know I or one of my teammates sells a, a deal and it's uh, not a fit with a company and they end up churning, um, the the rep doesn't get paid for you know whatever they were supposed to. Hmm. So um, we compensate on a twelve month kind of retention. So the you know the model is really incentivizing our team to pick long-term customers. We value long-term partnerships. Yeah. A lot of our customers work with us for multiple years. Um, so that's, that's where we're interested. That's where we're interested in. And, and that's where I think we can be the most valuable. And, and I think, um, you know, that's where some of our strongest partnerships and, and customers are. Um, so 
it's it's not as friendly to the to the seller because if they you know if they sell a a 12 month subscription um we don't pay out a 12 month you know uh compensation mm. it's 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 dragged out a little bit um but we don't have to worry about clawbacks and things like that so it's we try to keep it simple and i think that makes sense for us as a at the size organization that we are. And we are still a relatively small go-to-market team. Mm-hmm. About 75% of the team are, are advisory, uh, strategic consultants and things like that. So um, you know, I, I think our revenue team is about seven or eight people um, with uh, four, four individuals who are in a closing capacity. Awesome. Cool. I mean, it sounds like you guys have worked out an incentive plan where uh, you guys are all tracking in the same direction and incentives are aligned. So if that works mm-hmm. for you, I think that's a pretty great idea. Yeah, it's, it's working out. I mean, we're, we change it on a yearly basis, um, but that, that's, that's where we're at so far. Awesome. Um, are you guys currently in a hiring freeze? As far as sales reps are, we, we're not hiring for sales at the moment. We were in a hiring freeze for March and most of April. And recently, um, we're seeing some positive trends and uh, we're starting to heat up our recruiting pipeline again. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I can definitely kind of see that undercurrent of people being ready to go back out and do more business. So um, that's really good news for all of us, obviously, uh, given the last few months. But um, okay, well, you guys have a pretty unique organization with unique culture. And I'm wondering kind of how you source talent and not just the sales team, but for your consultants and everyone. And then how are you assessing uh, for a strong cultural fit for, for that communication culture and where you're practicing vulnerability? That sounds like a tough a tough fit. So how do you do that? Yeah, I, I mean, we, we definitely treat our recruiting process like a, a sales process. We, we don't really, I mean, we're competing with Facebook and Google and Netflix and companies like that. So we have to be very intentional and very um, strong with our culture and our and our recruiting experience, so I think we've put we've invested a lot in that, especially since we've hired a ton in the last um, you know nine months before COVID. Mm. Um, so I think it's um, you know we we've just made investments there, and we do a lot of role playing in in our interview process, mm. and we try to make. Like there's a lot of focus on making sure that the candidate is comfortable and feeling confident. Like we want the team to bring their best selves. Mm. And so I think people feel that when they come in and we often get compliments about um, the recruiting experience, especially, um, you know, it, there, there are some really just terrible uh, recruiting companies or not recruiting companies, but there, I mean, I know I'm probably preaching to the choir here. You, you know all about this, but there are some just really bad um, recruiting practices out there that, yeah. that make us look really good. And um, that's something <laughs> that we're, that we're trying to optimize on. Um, Fair enough. And yeah. How do you practice vulnerability? Um, you could tell if somebody's being guarded. I think we also, we don't, 
I think we, we put our best foot forward and we're vulnerable first, right? We show mm. them how we want to, it to be done. And, and, and either people pick up on that and are able to uh, meet us halfway mm-hmm. or, or they're not. And it's a little bit more obvious where, where people are, you know, just super guarded or, um, you know, not, uh, you know, maybe just hiding a little bit of something. I don't want to make it sound like you have to be, you know, the most vulnerable person to, to work at Go Nimbly. But I think we, we have values. And one of those, one of those values is be a leader. And I think that's, that's how we, that's how we lead that experience Mm -hmm. is by, is by just showing them how we want to do it first. Do you guys all watch Brene Brown's Ted talk on vulnerability and leadership? Is that like Uh. Um, I just recently did. So maybe that's why I'm talking about it so much. Um, my, my therapist actually suggested it to me and it's been, it it was a, it was a great Ted talk. Got me pumped up. She's yeah, she's on. I, I love that, uh, Ted talk. Yeah. She's pretty cool. She's got a new podcast out too. If you like the Ted talk, you probably like the podcast. Yeah. She's pretty funny. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. She's hilarious. Great storyteller. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Um, Which is great for selling her ideas to us through stories, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I love that you guys have a well-defined cultural culture. I mean, it's, it's impossible to test for cultural fit during the interview process absent that. And so that you guys have that so well baked into your organization um, has got to make things, I think a little bit simpler or it's less of a guessing game for hiring in any case, but you guys sound like a fantastic company to work for. I bet you don't lack for um, applicants when you do have openings, but yeah, just being able to get in the room together and kind of test for that level of, well, being able to lead through vulnerability sounds like a little bit tricky, but sounds like you guys have a flow figured out and uh, have built an amazing organization. So kudos to you for that. Cool. Yeah. It's been fun to see our reputation in, in that in that regard, start to build. And I, yeah, it's something I'm incredibly proud of. And I think the team is very proud of as well. So we're, we're happy with, with the direction we're going there. Yeah, as you should be. Okay, just two more questions, Troy. Um, what are one to three pieces of advice you'd give other revenue leaders competing in the subscription economy right now? And is that different than what you would have said pre-COVID-19? Yeah. Uh, so definitely invest in, in your relationships cross-departmentally. Uh, that's, that's, that's the edge that sales needs is mm-hmm. to not have blinders on, um, but really focus on how can we, how can we, how can we build the best ship together and sales is not the ship. Um, and, and so I think that's, that's really what, what I would say. Um, and yeah, I think there's a there's a level of um, you know boldness that's required to do that. So I would say you know be bold, um, and yeah, I I think the thing to keep in mind and, and just to hit on the ship shipmate self. That's a saying that we're uh, that we recently not developed, but have applied at Go Nimbly. And huh. we learned it from Dini Meta from Lattice. And I don't think she coined it either, but it's something that, that we learned from her. Hmm. And it's something that really sticks with us. How do you build the best company? How do you build the best ship? And prioritize your decision-making in that, in that way. So um, 
that's what I would say to that. That's great. If that's your true north, then it's pretty mm -hmm. easy to say, should we do this? Well, does this build the best ship together? If no, we mm -hmm. don't do it. If yes, yes, let's pursue it. So that's, that's good. Anything else? No, I think that's it. Cool. All right. Last thing. I'm a firm believer that sales makes the world go round and that we have a tremendous responsibility to get the economy moving again. Do you have any thoughts on how we can speed up that process? I, well, I think producing value is for your community is a, is a great mindset to have. And I, I'm thankful that you, it appears that you've gotten some value out of me, having me on this, on this podcast. And I really respect what you're doing. And I think that you're a great example of bringing value to the community. Um, so I would in, encourage people to, to bring value. If that means volunteering your time to help, help some uh, peers or uh, a group of people that you know might, might be out of work. Uh, mm -hmm. If that's something if that's how you want to bring value, I think that's admirable. Um, but yeah, just look for areas that you can help your fellow human. I agree that it is a moral imperative to do your best and to, and to capitalize as much as possible on your opportunity. P people need jobs. And if you're, a, if you're helping a company grow and if you're building that, that engine and and creating opportunity not just for your colleagues but for your future colleagues i think that's a great mindset to have and speaking of mindset i think it's just it's important to have a positive intentional attitude every day i've been something i've been doing recently is just having having affirmations for myself like mm. waking up and saying hey i i can do this I'm smart. I am capable. My, my colleagues uh, like working with me. I think you have to take care of yourself. And that's why I mentioned therapy and, yeah. and investing in yourself. And, and that's, think of it like when you're on the airplane and they tell you to put the mask on yourself before you put your mask <laughs> on, you know, your fellow neighbor. I think that's, that's what I think about when I, when I think about affirming yourself and setting yourself up for, uh, for success. And, and giving yourself a good footing to help your uh, fellow human. Mm, I like that a lot. I love that you're touching on mental health as such an important topic right now. Um, do you have any other tips? I mean, we, we talked about therapy uh, and affirmations. Yeah. yeah. What else uh, is working for you from a mental health standpoint right now? Well, just, just from a there, if you have health insurance and you're in California, there are some great options for remote therapy. Um, one of them is pcpasf.com. And uh, that's something I've been doing for the last six months. I've been doing therapy for four or five years now. And, mm -hmm. and my most recent iteration is remote therapy, obviously. And it's been, it's been great. So I would encourage people to just dive in. It takes time and, and um, it takes the intention. But it's worth it. <laughs> Definitely. Super yeah. worth it. Super worth it. Yeah. Thank you again to Troy Conker of Go Nimbly for his insights and advice today. Check out the show notes to get all of Troy's fantastic recommendations, and you can book a 30-minute exploratory call with me from there as well. I help recurring revenue businesses get it together and grow through coaching, consulting, sales team recruiting, and as a fractional executive. See you next time on sales and the subscription economy.